Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. John Bolton claims that last August, President Trump told him directly that he was holding up aid to Ukraine until they investigate the Bidens. Hey guys, what's up with the books? When there's an emergency, just tell us right away. <laughs> if your friend's about to get murdered, you don't go off and write a novel called The Killer Behind You. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't understand why there aren't more people talking about that. If John Bolton has information that would change the presidency, how about he just walks out to a microphone or pens an op-ed in a newspaper or something like that? Because that's not his priority. All of the well, cynics that... in D.C., they, they, their great enthusiasm for the, the glowing principles that have made this country great, most of that's completely phony. They just spout that stuff to string you all along. Sorry if I'm coming off. Well, it should be decried by all corners. Amen to that. The idea that oh, I've got you know world-shaking information, but I'm only going to give it to you if I make a profit. What could be less patriotic than that? Now, I don't think he does have 
earth-shaking information. I think there's something going on here. Um, we'll I, know when the book comes out, but right, I I think you know he's he has something, and they're making it sound as exciting as possible to sell books. But you see, we can't operate that way. Whether you're an FBI director or a security advisor or whatever it is, if you got something big, you got to tell us. That's your job. Very, very weak. And I've not heard a single pundit. We said it on this show, and they made a joke about it on Saturday Night Live. I haven't heard anybody really upset about that. No. How come Schiff doesn't say that? How come well, or Republicans or anybody? Look, if you've got information, don't try to profit off of it. Walk in here and tell us. Because they're in the same game. Because they're doing the same thing. Because yeah. they're going to have a book come out. Yeah, they're in the same business. Because Schiff and who, whoever on the Republican side, they're all going to write a book at some point. The key line, it was like the, um, gosh, I don't know, one of your, your your most pivotal lines or moments of action in your favorite movie of all time. For me, it was, I remember as a kid going to see the invasion of the body snatchers. Doesn't matter which version it is, when you realize that you got the, the plucky young couple that against all the odds has survived and survived and survived, at the moment she realizes the body snatchers have gotten her man and he's become and he turns to her and says, Aah! it makes the zombie noise. That's the oh no moment. Well, the oh no moment of, of Mark Leibovich's brilliant book, This Town, is when you got your two big time. Political operative guys, one a Republican, one a Democrat, and uh, in the course of a long conversation with Leibovich, he he gets them finally because they don't want to give this up to say, and they talk about how they 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 argue with each other on at events and throw ads at each other's side and all, but they finally admit we're both in on the joke, mm-hmm. and uh, Leibovich finally gets them to admit what's this joke you're talking about. And they say that that we're patriots, that we're all patriots, which is pretty sick. No, they're hacks. They're they're greed heads and profit mongers and and well, they're politics mongers, but they're they're greed heads and they're they're liars. And they are just whipping up your partisan fervor and the rest of it. Not that there's nothing at stake, but so much of it's phony. It's just a gig. It's a way for them to make money. So yeah, why does John Bolton not rush to the nearest microphone to save the union? He doesn't care. Or he doesn't think what he has is that important anyway. But he can sell books with it to you. So you got the caucuses going on tonight. Bernie is uh, surging and might have a chance to win, and that's got a lot of Democrats worried and some Democrats excited. So it's going to really... And some, like, uh, libertarian-leaning uh, independents excited over here. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, and uh, the way it affected the Democratic Party over the weekend was interesting. On one hand, you had Michael Moore railing against corporate Democrats and Clinton and the DNC, and then Representative Rashida Tlaib, if you, Tlaib, if you didn't follow this story, who, oh, yeah. who encouraged a Des Moines crowd to boo Hillary Clinton on Friday night yes. at her appearance. Yes. She is squarely on the way left radical thing, man. She's nuts. That gal, I tell you what, she's, she's going to end up in, in prison or in a shootout or I don't know, something. She's way out there. John Kerry, former nominee of the Democratic Party, was heard over the weekend talking on the phone, worried about the possibility that Bernie Sanders was going to take down the whole Democratic Party. Mm. So you got two former nominees, fairly recent nominees, Hillary from 2012 and Kerry from 2004, who have been heard saying Bernie's going to ruin the party. Yeah. That w- whatever needs to happen must happen. There's no choice for the Democratic Party. I'll tell you, it's going to be exciting if he wins tonight. 
How does the whole caucus thing uh, work? It starts at about 7 o'clock Iowa time, I guess, tonight. Takes an hour and a half or so for them all to do it. This is just one minute to give you some idea of how it works, if you're going to follow it at all. Technically, though, what you're competing for on caucus night are delegates. So come with me into the weeds of the delegate selection process. Iowa has 1,678 precincts. So that means there are 1,678 mini elections happening on caucus night. At each precinct, people elect delegates to the county conventions. Every precinct awards at least one delegate, even if just a couple people show up to that caucus location. That's why campaigns try to be competitive everywhere. And to get those precinct delegates, a candidate has to meet what's called a viability threshold. This is very important. Generally, viability means you have to have support from at least 15% of the people in the room on caucus night. That math changes a little bit in some of the really small precincts, but basically the gist is if 100 people show up to a caucus location and 14 of them are supporting candidate X, that candidate, candidate X, is not viable because they didn't meet the 15% threshold. So the people there supporting candidate X either get to pick someone else or go home. That part's called realigning. And that realignment means that campaigns really care about being your first and your second choice. And it's also what makes Iowa so different. Yeah, that's a good point. That's why it's not as negative as some other politics. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, And I had forgotten that. That's why they haven't said mean things about each other in the debates. Yeah, if Bernie comes up just a little short, you want his people to come your way. You don't want to be, you know, spending weeks saying he's a communist... Rotten old bastard, and you know, angering his young dewy-eyed supporters. Yeah, because because if, if they said something about the candidate you really like, something really really mean, you might go home, as that announcer just said. Okay, we don't we Elizabeth Warren fans, we don't have fifteen percent. I'm going home. I'm not going to go stand in the Bernie corner after what he said about Elizabeth Warren, right? Or vice versa. I'd walk out, give them both barrels. Yeah, here's how do you like that, huh? Off into the Iowa night. How about some of those really small caucuses where you got like three people and you've known each other for 40 years. You went to high school together and your kids are married to each other and you're voting for Bernie? What? Or there's three of you. We have a chance to win. Come over. There's three of you. So if there's two on one side, you get the delegates. Right. So there's one person can make all the decisions. You're going back and forth. Hey hey there, Judy. Hello, uh... Ed, how about a little preliminary vote? I'm for uh, Biden. I'm for Bernie. Sanders. Uh-oh. Um. If you let me borrow the Winnebago this weekend, I'll uh, I'll move over to the Bernie side. I don't care that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where do you go from there? I don't know. The The idea of arguing with my neighbors about this and... Uh... It just sounds awful. Well, I could Some see of you a little constructive it, but... discussion or something like that, but yeah, I don't. That sort of thing is is much better in theory than in practice. Sure. How how many times have you been in a room with ten people and at least one or two of them aren't either idiots or like overly aggressive or or whatever, and it just turns not pleasant in a hurry. And yet they stick with the uh, that technique. I, I'm not sure. Is it just? I would have to ask Iowans. I think they really like their role because everybody shows up and, and campaigns and comes to the coffee shops and shakes your hand and talks to you. God, and it's got to be great for the economy. It's got to be flattering and great for the economy, uh, uh, the economy. But just as a system, it seems a little crazy. I mean, y'all have been listening to these people give speeches and, and, and arguing with each other for months. How about just go vote now? Do you have to get together in church basements and yell at each other? That podcast is pretty interesting from, and what's their name again, Sean? Uh, 
It's the Pod Save America crew, a bunch of former guys who worked in Obama's uh, office. The history of it was interesting, and I didn't know this, so it was more or less the Iowa caucus system being what it is was more or less developed by George McGovern, who ended up winning the caucuses the next time when he ran for president and ended up being the nominee and, uh, you know, getting that close to being president. So, so late 60s, early 70s was when they came up with this? Right. I'd assumed so, it had been like 150 years But or so a guy who was going to benefit from it, and because he is from Minnesota, South Dakota, yeah. a guy who was going to benefit from it came up with the idea, I would be a good place to do it. And here's how we could do it. And here's how we could do it. Yeah, that's very helpful for you since, you know, if it were on one of the coasts, they'd say a guy from South Dakota. Screw that. Yeah. Um, So I just think that's kind of interesting. So that's that's funny. You came up with this idea and then won it and ended up being the nominee. Yeah. And they've just stuck with it ever since. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm always saying that. Don't assume that everything is permanent. It started at some point. It will end at some point. Um, I'd assume that was just around forever and was unchangeable. But George McGovern, there's a fair amount. Please. Of, I'll shut up about this because uh, yeah. a lot of you don't care about this. But yeah, there, there's a fair amount of talk on both sides to do away with this whole thing and go back to the smoke-filled rooms and let the parties do what parties do in every other democracy in the world. We're the only world that, where the parties don't control who their nominees are. Right. It makes sense for the party to control who their nominee is. Mm-hmm. They have a platform. We're going to pick a person who agrees with what we care about, and they're going to run. The way we do it currently here, it doesn't matter what your platform is. Whoever the nominee is, they're going to take their own personal platform forward. Right. I get, I mean, that's not without its value, because you can figure out, all right, people who tend to vote for us, here's what it turns out they like. Okay, that's useful to know. It's like a gigantic audition, in theory. But then it turns out that the hardest core of your party aren't necessarily the best people to ask. So, yeah, the, the, those murmured conversations behind closed doors about this whole uh, more democracy thing is just not working out great. Those are definitely now out loud conversations. So this stuff where they compared the three most popular diets in America to see which ones work best for who is kind of interesting. We could touch on that after a Super Bowl Sunday of debauchery. I mean, you yeah, might wanting to be. Yeah, let's get to that as soon as possible. <laughs> Yes, just a little taste of what was Crotch Fest 2020 at the Super Bowl for halftime. Shakira and J-Lo both with their crotches in the TV screen for many, many minutes there. Fantastic. At least there's uh, more artfulness the way Shakira does it to me. J-Lo's just so blatant. Here's my buttocks. Look at it. What do you think? Look at it. It's a nice one. Yeah, so you obviously are well-toned. You're prize fitness. Uh, But, yeah, it's, it's funny how... Uh, ridiculously sexualized women in entertainment is, even as I think we're supposed to be rejecting that? I can't decide. Well, there's that split. Some women 
think it's empowering to entirely sexualize yourself as if you are just here for intercourse. And But, of course, having delivered that message, you know, that doesn't give anybody the right to do anything, blah, blah, blah. But then there's the uh, Billie Eilish approach of, look, I'm a musician. I'm not here for you to look at my boobies and my butt. I'm going to wear something loose-fitting. I'm going to sing my songs. You like them, great. I have so much more respect for that. Mm. But, you know, there's a lot of people who like the J-Lo thing, so I don't know, to each their own. But it seems a little ridiculous to me. Mm. A little ridiculous and, and manipulative. I mean, if I, was, if I went to some... Uh, you know, a musical act, and it was a dude involved, or a band with dudes involved, and they're like lifting weights and all oiled up and really flexing and stuff like that. I would think, pardon me, this is having ridiculous. <laughs> uh, somebody wrote uh, the halftime show. We assume that was a very extravagant ad for Shakira and JLo's exercise regime. Yeah. Or maybe whatever diet they use. The surprising results of a head to head study of Mediterranean, paleo, and intermittent fasting. Um, so they had a bunch of people do each, and they compared them. I do intermittent paleo-Mediterranean. I eat only clams from the Greek Isles between 11 and 11.30 a.m. The the main thing that everybody seems to agree on currently is this. Whichever diet you will actually stick with is the best diet for you. That's not an answer. I need the magic pill. Because these are all good diets if you do them, but if you can't stick with it, what differences make? Uh, Of the three that we mentioned here, it says skip paleo. They followed a bunch of people for a year, and this had the the lowest adherence with with just a third sticking to it. For a year? Yeah. A year's a long time. A year is a long time. Yeah. Only a third stuck to it with the lowest weight loss, partially because people didn't stick to it. So, see, the diet might be great, but if you don't stick to it, what difference does it make? Yeah. The paleo eaters also showed no improvements in blood pressure and blood sugar levels. Of course, they didn't stick to the diet. Intermittent fasting worked best. It's maintainable. 54% of people were still fasting after a whole year, losing an average of 11 pounds. Mediterranean had the highest adherence rate, with 57% still doing it after a year. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was barely better than the intermittent fasting right. number, though, right? And a yeah, loss okay. of an average of 10 pounds, which is only a pound difference. Well, that's so, strong. So that's practically a tie between yeah. those two. Yeah. And here might be one of the headlines out of the whole thing. In a study of 35,000 people over 13 years, they found that if you walk into a restaurant, your chances of adhering to your diet are zero. <laughs> Specifically, 0.1%. Yeah, The chance you're going to stick with your diet if you walk into a restaurant is zero. It is all about eating what you prepare. And again, again that's yeah. 35,000 people over 13 years. That's a lot of data to come up with. If you go to a restaurant, you ain't going to stick with your diet. You're going to eat too much. <laughs> and the oh, wrong That food. is something. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Everybody with the, the obesity epidemic, where it comes. We've gone in, in 30, 40 years this country from a country that almost entirely prepares its own food at home to a country that almost entirely eats out or out of the, the, the frozen case at the grocery store, the convenience food case. It's not a mystery. No, it's not. We did a frozen pizza last night. It wasn't eaten out, but I guarantee it was more fat and everything else than I would have taken in if I did. Eaten, had a ham sandwich or something. You know, what's funny is Judy and I had a frozen pizza as well, um, and it it wasn't fatty and unhealthy, and we decided we're not buying that brand anymore because <laughs> it's not enough. yummy enough. 
No, it's it's no, no, it's not enough of anything. I suppose if I want to look Where like are the sh- toppings. If I want to look like Shakira, <laughs> I suppose I got to eat one piece of lettuce every other day, right? Do you want to look like Shakira? Because you got a hell of a long way to go. <laughs> Have a grape on Fridays. Good luck with that. Oh, good, it's Friday. Happy Friday. I get to have my grape. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In the past, this has been decided by cookies. I'm not kidding you. We've had campaigns win people over by bringing in a dozen cookies and giving them away and say, come over to our camp and have some cookies. Now, I was a little skeptical about that story. Luckily, we have a typical Iowa voter on the line right now. Sir, what are you looking for in a candidate? Perhaps that was funny visually. Why would you ask Hillary Clinton how you win the Iowa caucuses? How would she know? Or win anything? Um, do you want bad news on a Monday? I think sometimes you need sobering reality on a Monday. You know, everybody's got a bit of a grim feeling about them anyway. (laughs) Sober reality. Yes. Why $1 trillion deficits are here to stay. From a guy named Brian Rydell in the dispatch today. I'll just read a paragraph or two. It's pretty interesting. Welcome to the world of permanent $1 trillion or more budget deficits. The CBO released... The budget projection last week, we talked about this, and how it was going to be over a a, a trillion dollars. And as troubling as that sounds, that's a rosy scenario that assumes peace, prosperity, and low interest rates. The CBO projects that the budget deficit will surge toward $2 trillion by the end of this decade. No. And that could push to $3 trillion with the return of 1990-level interest rates. 1990s level interest rates. In other words, we go back to normal interest rates. Yeah. Economists have long warned that the federal budget would eventually sink under the weight of surging Social Security and Medicare costs. Taxpayers have heard these warnings for so long that many, understandably, have begun tuning them out. A decade ago, the Great Recession brought a $1.4 trillion deficit. That's what really kicked off the whole Tea Party thing, most of which gradually evaporated as the economy recovered. That cyclical budget deficit gave many Americans a false sense of security. The large budget deficits no longer matter, and they'll just go away on their own. That's no longer the case. The new $1 trillion deficits are occurring in a full employment economy and are driven by Social Security and Medicare costs that will continue to to accelerate. There's no easy off-ramp, and low interest rates cannot be taken for granted. And even then, a government's debt cannot rise as a share of its economy indefinitely, and at a, some point, perhaps when the next recession grows the debt even faster, we're going to have a serious, serious crisis. Mm. There's some economists who say, no, nah, it's not true. It's, it's, it's no problem. As long as we can print money, we'll ease our way through it, and blah, blah, blah. I think they're out of their minds. I think the next economic downturn could be horrific. Uh-oh. It's the time to you know cash everything out and put it in gold bars and God, bury it in I the backyard. Know. I don't know. And by the backyard, I mean my front yard. No, side yard. Never mind. Just leave it. Stay out of my yard. Someone else's yard. <laughs> I know a guy who knows a guy who put it all in gold and buried it. For reals. And only you know, there's like one other buried person it. on earth who knows where it's buried. Yeah, literally, his wealth 
that he's spent his life accumulating is in gold under the ground. Get a safe, my man. Well, no, not safe enough. It's called a safe, but it isn't. I actually have a friend whose father did the same sort of thing, but did a safe, and people found out about the safe and took it. Took his gold bars. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But um, if, what if, what if you know, you're riding along with the only other person on earth who knows, and, and you get in a car wreck or something? I guess your money stays under the well, ground. You, you don't That's need where the gold was to begin with, ashes to ashes. You also don't need your money if you're gold no longer gold. here. What about um, your family? What about my family? Yeah, they can make their I, money. I care about my family. Well, well yeah. I you, want them to have my gold. <laughs> <laughs> I plan to spend my gold. Um, Perhaps the hidden treasure map strategy was not the best. So walk in, walk yeah, into yeah. a star a store. You got change for a gold bar. So the idea <laughs> is know. that a gold bar is worth what it's worth, no matter what happens. Yes. And if the economy just goes crazy, your four hundred one k that's worth three hundred thousand dollars sounds like a lot now could be worthless. Right. Right. Oh yeah. With inflation or whatever, it could go away. Gold will not go away. No, it won't. It'll always be gold. And as uh, many rappers have shown us, it's very attractive around one's neck. Shakira, uh, J-Lo, wearing the gold. Can you show up at a car lot and buy a car with a bar of gold? I don't will think they, so. Will they handle that for I you? I do not think I'll so. I'll bet you can show up at a casino with a bar of gold, and they'll, they'll turn it into money for do you. Do you think? I'll bet you can. At a big casino? I wonder if they have, like, Arab sheikhs and Chinese zillionaires uh, rolling in. I mean, not just any casino, not the... They'd have to validate that it's gold, right, and not like a brick that's spray-painted gold. <laughs> well, right. I feel it's, like there'd have to be some sort of process of validation. Right, exactly. How many troy ounces is this, whatever that means? I mean, yeah, how, how do I know it's not like gold-plated steel or something like that? They're, the don't, Joe's Casino. Don't you bite it or something? Yeah, you bite it. That's right. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that reminds me, I've had several conversations lately about real estate, mostly real estate, but different kinds of real estate. Like, this is a huge story in Vancouver and um, and, and wine country, Napa Valley, for instance, and other places, where oligarchs from around the world are just swooping in and buying up American real estate, or Canadian real estate in the case of Vancouver, like crazy. Chinese oligarchs and Russian oligarchs just buying up huge swaths of American real estate. You know, I don't want to be, like, super crazy nationalist, but I don't like that idea. I don't like the idea of connected Chinese oligarchs snapping up some of the most beautiful parts of America. But doesn't it seem like the sort of thing, so we're going to have a trillion-dollar yearly deficit. Yeah, one year's worth of overspending. Yeah. When the economy's the best it's ever been and interest rates are, you know, the lowest they're going to be in our lifetimes. Right. And then when it all goes to hell, doesn't it seem like that's the sort of thing you look back on and say, what did you think was going to happen? Yes. <laughs> yes You're maxing does. out your credit cards when you got the when you got all the bonuses that year at your job. Mm-hmm. Everything was going your way and you maxed out your credit cards. Yeah. What, is, what did you think was going to happen when things got tough? We used to say, though, I remember we used to say this all the time, America will still need a clown. <laughs> that, used to, that used to be what got us Perhaps through Perhaps more so than ever. <laughs> exactly. Times get really tough. America will still need a clown. Clowns are going to be eating their own shoes. Are you kidding? 
You know, I think I'm going to save the Harvey Weinstein thing for the podcast. You probably didn't follow that because you were uh, in surgery and everything like that. Did uh, you follow the testimony from Friday? I saw some of it. I learned yeah. that he has to jab himself in his own unit. Yeah, the, or the, did. the full the full description is kind of interesting and not just from a gossipy perspective. It it might explain why he's the monster he is, or this um, this person might have described to him the way she did. Just to make him miserable. I don't mm. know which it is, but if I'm the judge, I allow it. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, she described his uh, his physique, what he actually looks like, is in a pretty horrific way. Oh, really? With him sitting right there. Really? And um, yeah, I was I was under, and he had apparently had uh, not, not not a pleasant look on his face as he was being described as just disgusting in all kinds of different manner physically. Which, yeah, don't you think with his personality, he was really hating that? Like, oh, he wanted to kill her. Of course, yeah. And I'm with Positive Sean. If I'm the judge, Your Honor, these humiliating descriptions are merely to demean and embarrass my client. Yep, I'm enjoying them. Yeah, it's fantastic. Let it roll. You are a disgusting pig. Yeah. But we'll do that in more detail on the podcast, because it's, it's pretty icky. But uh, the podcast you can get at armstrongandgetty.com, and we can we can talk about things and say things that we wouldn't on our regular terrestrial radio station. Yes. S-bombs. Yeah. Joe just gets filthy sometimes. I, I mean, do. It's just, I have no filter. Completely disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> join us. For, you can get that at armstrongandgetty.com. Again, all the podcasts are there. The, uh, the, the repackaged show, if once just isn't enough. Uh, so one more thing, the extra large podcast. I was just talking to somebody down the hallway who won $100 off a uh, bet, bet on the Chiefs. Oh, really? Yeah. I was in a couple pools. I lost track if I won anything. I don't know. I was in one of those squares where you buy the square. Right. Those yeah. things are a scam. What are you, like Mitt Romney, $25,000 bet? You get involved in so many wagers, you don't even know, don't even pay attention. I'm a degenerate gambler. You don't even know if you yeah. won or lost. <laughs> yeah, I don't, actually. I'm sure somebody will tell me. Or just keep my money. Yeah. Um. Uh, who was the announcer? Buck. Yes, Joe Buck. He and he mentioned the whole squares thing a couple of times during the game. Yeah. I've never done that, so I don't. Really oh yeah, know. it's a, you randomly assign squares, then they mm-hmm. draw the numbers, and it turns out you have, you know, a zero. Gosh, I wish I'd have had zero Chiefs, mm-hmm. zero Niners. That was a big payer. Because yeah, it was ten to ten, and it was twenty to ten, and at the so end the, of various quarters. Yeah, at the end of each like quarter, if your number coincides with the last number of each team, then you win that quarter, and then so usually. Half the money goes to the final score, and then like half the money gets split up between the first three quarters, so you, you end up winning uh, a little bit throughout the game. That was a pretty exciting game in retrospect, now that I think about it. I remember there in the last minute or yeah. so when uh, when Buck said, and the uh, 49ers are first and 85, which was a pretty good way of yeah, describing what was, yeah. was going to happen there. And then the uh, fourth, uh, fourth down play, which really wasn't a play at all. It was an abortion and a disaster and a... Flounder and terrible. Did you see the first touchdown from the from the Chiefs when they had everybody do a three sixty? I did the little pirouette thing. Yeah, that was like a, was kind a of Temptations dance routine yeah. from back in the sixties. Midnight 70s. train to Georgia. Right, it had a very Pips feel to it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'll bet it's called the Pips play. Yeah, and I'll bet <laughs> you've got Pips to. Pips on three. <laughs> uh, they have to. If you didn't see it, they had four guys lined up in the backfield. Uh, there was four, right? And, like and Mahomes and others, yeah. uh, calls a signal, and they all simultaneously do like a, a pips move, and they all spin and take a step to the right, <laughs> and then like boom, and then the ball is snapped, and the yeah. running back directly to a running back runs it. I'm sure that move is at least partially that the defense is thinking, why did they just do that? Ah, the ball's been snapped. 
Because you think, why would you have all guys, four guys spin like that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, the ball's been it's, a, it's a legal version of the old wrestling maneuver of throwing salt in the eyes. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're thinking, that was weird that they, yeah, the ball's been snapped. The other kind of non-sportsy sports comment was uh, twice Mahomes, who's not that big compared to the giant you know, defensive backs, yeah. um, ran right into a guy, and Troy Aikman said, that's the second time he's done that. I'm not exactly sure what he's trying to accomplish there. <laughs> yeah. Or he's he's like, young. He gets down low. I'm going to hit him, and he just bounces right. <laughs> I'm not shying away from contact. <laughs> and, then, and then everybody on the chief sideline is like, I'm not sure what he's trying to accomplish. Yeah, he's young. We'll finish strong next. Senator Amy Klobuchar has been getting a lot of attention during the Iowa caucuses for bringing her family's tater tot hot dish to events. Coincidentally, tater tot hot dish is the name of a guy Joe Biden wrestled at a public pool in 1962. That's funny. His name was Tater Tot Hot Dish, and he was a bad dude. He ran a gang of bad boys. I said, hey, Esther. Uh, we will have whatever results there are from the Iowa caucuses tomorrow and dissect if there's anything. Hey, we got this note from Valerie. Guys, why are you ignoring the Snickers commercial? Hilarious, politically incorrect, best commercial of the game. And it reminded me, I did enjoy it very much. That's the giant hole in the ground? Um, Was it? I don't know. I have the audio. Can I play the audio in here? It starts with grown men riding scooters. Which I appreciate. No, oh. now was that the sexting oh. reference that you didn't like? Uh, no, that no, was no, no, a, no. A, 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 like a commercial about sexting. Yeah, that was like I a, didn't see that. That was like a straight like public service announcement sort of had sexting and they just, oh, no, 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 come no. Come on, sure. watching with kids. Yeah, whatever here. That's yeah. right. Grown men riding scooters. Is that what it was? Yeah, I got it. Are you ready okay. for it, Michael? All right. Grown men ride scooters. Everyone's texting dirty pigs. Baby's named after Brody. Okay. Robocop up in the mix. World is out of course. We need to fix it quicker. We're gonna fix the world. But we need to fix it. So we're being the world of Snickers? Yep. Will it work? Milk mm-hmm. keeps getting mm-hmm. reinvented. Autocorrect is so demented. <laughs> The surveillance state's got brand new tricks. Seriously. (laughs) So they drop a giant Snickers in a hole. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very amusing. I I love that the surveillance state has brand new tricks. I did like the John Legend Say Goodbye to Old Luxury commercial. Yeah. Sure, they're standing up there on the stairs, him and his wife, <laughs> looking down at the people. You've been to Asia once, and now you're all spiritual. <laughs> that woman was like, oh, that's right. And the guy who, for some reason, leans on everybody, and yeah, and then woman he, who claims she's never had work done. Yeah, scary. Ah. And then his wife is locked out of the car, and she wants in, and he says, "What's the what's the password? Sexiest man in the world." There you go. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty. Not a bad looking automobile either. What was it though? I don't know. Yes, yeah, you don't know. <laughs> we don't know, so it's not a good ad, then, right? I don't How know. It'd be a good ad if you don't know. It'll the pop into my head. I don't know. I'll hmm. eventually. 
I remember us thinking it was a, 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 I don't know. It was one of those cars. I thought, Not that one, the other one. I don't remember what the ads were, but I thought both uh, or all the ads from the tax companies were really good, from H&R Block and from the TurboTax. I thought their ads were really good. Uh, I don't remember the specifics, but I thought, okay, so now we got tax uh, wars going on instead of coal wars. But there wasn't, did I miss a Clydesdale horses running through a snowy meadow? They didn't do that this year, did they? I didn't see one. No. Budweiser backed off? No, I think the Bud... Light Budweiser commercials I saw didn't have that. Yeah. Huh. A new era. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I mentioned this earlier. I was just reading that the tax companies have been screwing Americans for a long time now by saying you can file for free, but they make it almost impossible to file for free, and they route you into the, their paid little part of their um, their website in violation of what they'd agreed with the government, but nobody was around to enforce it. So millions of people, literally millions of people who should have been easily filing for free, got charged. And now the the big tax websites are in trouble over it. But nobody's paying much attention to it because we got the impeachment going on. And that's about over, everybody. Sorry, in case you weren't paying attention over the weekend, the impeachment thing is, well... They're running it live on the networks today with, like, Adam Schiff's up there right now making the same damned argument he's made a dozen times in the last six weeks. Man, if you watch Adam Schiff for the 12th time give his Donald Trump should be impeached speech, ah, there's something wrong with you. You're Mrs. Schiff. Uh, yeah. Apparently. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is, pressing the buttons. He keeps us on the air. Michelangelo, final thought? Yeah, my team lost in the Super Bowl. My digestive system lost in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Hopefully next year will be better. (laughs) And it was a blowout. Fantastic. Producer Positive Sean, final thought? After my record-breaking chili consumption day, the password of today is vegetables. Mm. I need to eat vegetables. Wow, good man. Good man. Do the cleanse. Jack, uh, final thought for us? Having someone in my family for the first time get the actual influenza that's going around in a given year, the yearly flu, and seeing how sick he got. My son was is still so very sick, sick as he's ever been in his life. Worry more about getting the regular flu. You're not going to catch the coronavirus, but the regular flu, you hear somebody in your office has got it, don't let them come to work. My final thought on the Iowa caucuses tonight, if that bitter old communist Bernie wins, I think Americans left, right, and center need to get together and, and and agree that, look, the whole socialism thing, let's have a serious chat about it. And, you know, aside from the far, far left in America, maybe we all ought to extend the hand of friendship to each other and figure out how to quash this before we become China. Yeah, good. Because they don't announce in advance they're going to oppress you. It happens bit by bit. So we'll see. We'll have it for you tomorrow. 78 years old, had a heart attack a couple of weeks ago. And according to all the polls, the most likely winner tonight in Iowa. Darr. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour work day. So many people thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. The uh, stuff we talk about is there. The clicks and the links and the rest and the podcast if you want to hear it. Including the one from last week featuring Marshall. A lot of people are enjoying the uh, brand new Armstrong and Getty How's Your Utopia Coming Along t-shirts are available. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> That's good. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just 
change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? How about Dorchester? Packed it. Foxborough. Packed it. The Garden? Packed it. Saugus? Packed it. Swampscott? Revere? The Harbor? Are you kidding me? I packed it. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.